The Leadership Adventure. The Leadership Adventure. The mindset of the leader of future is, I need to be not necessary at all. What is keeping you from being the person and the leader that you know you can be? Welcome to The Leadership Adventure, the podcast that takes you through the highs and lows of being a leader in the 21st century. In this series, we talk to experienced leaders about their journey to success, inspiring you to make a difference and face the challenges ahead. I'm Olga Dudko, and I will be your host today. In this episode, we will talk about the leader of the future and the future of leadership. I'm joined today by Artur Dinis, CEO and founder of Crashmentum one of the most respected leadership development companies in Brazil. He's the author of the book Leader do Futuro, Leader of the Future, which sold more than 50,000 units in Brazil and is currently being sold in Portugal. Arthur holds an MBA from Columbia Business School in New York and a certificate in leadership in high-performance teams by the Center for Creative Leadership and in Reinventing Leadership by Kellogg. Arthur served as a senior executive for 15 years at Pricewaterhouse, Citibank, Unibanco, Deutsche Bank and Santander. Hello, Arthur, and welcome to this podcast. Hello, Olga. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure is all mine. I'm so excited and happy to have you here. Um, it's such a treat, really, because, you know, for those who are listening, we're not usually based in the same space. This podcast, we are recording it in France, and you're usually based in Brazil. And I'm so happy that you came all over to France, not only for this podcast, but for this podcast as well, to talk to us. So thank you for finding the time. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I want to start with your story, this conversation about the leader of the future. You have uh, succeeded quite a lot throughout your career. You built a very successful business, very successful leadership company, Crashimentum, that will celebrate 20 years this year, right? Exactly. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah, you have trained thousands of professionals, thousands of leaders in the world. You have written a book, you have given many interviews, you have built this amazing community training program, Leader of the Future, that trained, I think, more than 10,000 people in the world. So I want to talk to you about the origins of all that, the origins of Crashimentum. Where did it all begin and why leadership? Okay, well, let's start by the beginning. I worked like almost 20 years in banking. So it's like I have two professional lives. The first professional life as an executive in banking and working with financial engineering, marketing, sales, never with people development or anything related to leadership. I just love to do study leadership because I loved to lead. And as my teams were growing, I, I need to learn more. And all the books I read at the time were about leadership. But nothing focused on our career. And I never expected to be working with leadership development at the time. But then when I was uh, 38 years old, I started thinking maybe my goals are not the same anymore. Because my first goal was to be the CEO of preferably a multinational bank and 
So I started and I wanted to be the CEO, but as I progressed my career, I started, wow, in the beginning of my career, when I looked at the CEOs, they seem they have to, to be happy. This person has to be happy because she can lead anyone. She have money and everything. So they must be happy. And as I, I progressed in my career in banking, I was like, well, they're not so happy. They don't look so happy. And sometimes I saw people in the beginning of the career, they, are, they were much better and happy. And, and I didn't think I was contributing to the country, to the community in a good way. In banking, I felt like maybe I'm not doing what I came here to do. And then I started thinking, and then my boss came to me and he was a great leader, a friend. And he, he told me, I have a position open for vice president in Santander. I was the director for retail banking for the whole group. And he asked me, I, I think you could be the vice president. I will recommend your name. I will nominate you. But I don't know if it's going to work or not. And then I told him, Marcelo, please don't put my name on that list. <laughs> I don't want to be you. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, it's very bold. <laughs> you don't like me? No, yeah. I love you. You're a friend. You're a great leader, the best leader I've ever had. But I don't want your life, especially your professional life. And then he asked me the question, then what do you want? Because if you keep reaching your goals and doing results, you're going to be asked for the next step. I said, I don't want the next step. And then I said, I'm going to think about it. And then I went to do many different courses that I've never taken before, talking about expansion of the mind, mission, NLP, and neurolinguistic program. And in these courses, they start to ask me, what's your mission? What's your purpose? And I said, I have no idea. I've never thought about it. And then I started thinking and thinking. And then I decided that my purpose was to help people to achieve extraordinary careers and success in their lives. And I didn't know how, but then I discovered and read about coaching. And I see coaching, no one at the time in Brazil talked about coaching. No one knew what was coaching. And I said, I have to study about it. And then I started reading, coaching, coaching, coaching. And when I read the definition of coaching by the ICF, the International Coaching Federation, I said, that's very close to my mission. I need to do this. And then I went for a certification in coaching and I decided I want to work using coaching to develop leaders. Because in my banking career, what I did is I've had many, many people reporting to me as a leader and the bank never gave me a leadership course. So I've saw many bad leaders destroying people throughout their careers. And I said, this is what I want to do. I just don't know how. And then I studied coaching and in 2003, I decided I'm going to do it. And I had just to wait because Santander paid me a lot to go to work there, but I had to stay at least two years. Otherwise, I have to, to give the money back. Then I waited for the date and then I, I quit and I said, I'm going first to study and then I will launch a company. And then I spent 10 months. I went to the United States, Canada, to Europe to study about coaching. And in December that year, I launched Crescimento. The name came to me, I don't know how and why, but it came. and. 
I prepared a big launch, inviting many human resources, people, etc. But the only thing I had was my home, and I started coaching people in my home. Yeah, yeah, in my living room, and I started doing the coaching there. And people said, ah, I like it. And then from there, I rented a small place, small office to start the coaching. And then I loved it. But my financial plans were not met. What I saw is it's very hard to get money only doing coaching. And my nightmare, I had real nightmares. I was going back to banking and asking for a job. And I couldn't sleep. And I said, no, I can't do it. <laughs> and for a few years, that nightmares came to me from time to time. What I did is started coaching and I saw coaching not giving me the money. And also at the same time, my clients, my coaches, they were asking me, you're telling me great things about leadership, how to lead during coaching sessions. Can you train my people? And I said, no, I am really afraid of talking to the public. I can, I could never train people. <laughs> yeah, no, I started like, if I get a microphone, my hands would shake. And I said, oh, they are seeing that my hands are shaking. And I started, oh, now I can talk. And I was really, really afraid. But the coaching evolved. And at some time, every time I asked some people, what is the best way to communicate and have more coaching clients? Everything you have to talk. Go to big publics and talk about what you do. I said, I can't do it. Then I need to do it. And then I started with therapy, and meditation, different techniques, how to do it. And then I had a great guy that talked about hypnosis, Ericksonian hypnosis. And he came to Brazil, it's uh, Stephen Gilligan, and he gave a 10-day course about hypnosis. And I said, oh, great. In the last day, he said, each of the students, because we are a small group, you can have one thing in your life that you want, you'd like to change. And I said, I will give you a possible task but I need you to get my fear out of public speaking. And then he said, well, that's easy. Oh, it's not. <laughs> not for me. And then he started me in hypnosis and well, one hour doing it, a transit and everything. And when he finished, he said, no, that's okay now. We made an agreement with my body because he said, your, your hands shake because your body is trying to tell you to prepare and to be ready. So you can, you, you, could find a different way. And I said, okay, my shoulders can be hot. That's it. And then I went out. I didn't believe it worked. But I went to a, a coaching certification. And in, in the last day, we had to speak to the public. And I said, let's test it now. And then I got the microphone. And I was like, wow, my hands are not shaking. That's incredible. And then I started talking. And I loved it. And I said, wow, I could do trainings. I could do workshops. And then I decided and started doing it. Uh, one-day courses, open courses, and Crescimento started to support itself with the money of one-day courses. I said, well, I don't have to go back to banking anymore. That's great. Seriously? <laughs> I can't believe you. <laughs> but I felt that one-day courses were not going to change the way people led. I said, it's not enough. And the courses that I did before that really changed me, they were immersion courses with one week, nine days, 10 days. And I said, I need to do it the same with leadership, one week course. And then I started asking human resources or executives and leaders, I'm thinking about launching one week course, what do you think? 
and they all had the same answer. It's not going to work. People will never spend a week. The companies are not sending their executives and professionals to spend. It's too long. And I said, okay, but I still want to do it because I think it's going to change. Then I invited Paulo Varenga. He had a different training organization and invited him. Let's do it for one week and like this. And he said, let's do it. We went together. We got a date and we got 22 people to go there, but just one paying customer. The others were invited to be there. And in the end of the week, it was like every one of the participants, they were telling, you changed my life forever. I said with Paul, I said, we can get the money during the whole year doing other things, but we have to do at least two or three of these sessions to change the world. That's our mission. And he said, okay, let's do it. We've moved on with the leader of the future, but as more groups go, second group, we had like five people paying and the other one like 10 and like this, two years losing money. And then on the third year on, I started getting money. What happened is the miracle that made Chris Mentum a big company was the leader of future. People finished the leader of future and then asked me, what else do you have to sell? <laughs> they always want more, yeah. right? <laughs> do, you, do you have other courses? Can you train it's more people in my organization? <laughs> and then it started like growing like crazy. May I stop you for a second? It's so very interesting. Can you talk to me a little bit in more detail about how you structured the Leader of the Future program? What I did is I had the coaching process and I got the coaching process and I said, I'm going to do the same. Because in the coaching process, we had like 10 sessions, but once in a week or once in each two weeks, but I had a process based on the neurological levels, which means start with the mission. First question is, what's your mission? What's your purpose? I don't know, so you have to think about it. What's your future, your vision of the future? Five years from now, 10 years from now, what kind of leader do you want to be? What kind of legacy do you want to leave for the people around you, for your family, for your company, for everything? Answering these questions is the most important thing. Then the start of the little future was like that. and then. What's your values? What's most important for you that you're not going to sell, that you're willing to get fired? Those values are not lived for you. This is the second level when you talk about levels. And then from there, we move to capacity because the first thing, the first part of leader future is like, Olga, what kind of leader do you want to be? Now that you know, I'm going to show you through a 360 evaluation how people are seeing you. And then what I do is to create what Peter Sang calls the creative tension, the difference from who you are now and who do you want to be. This is very, very important because if people don't have the creative tension, they are not going to change the way they lead. From there, what, what happens is for most leaders is, ah, I want to be an inspiring leader. I want to lead by example. I want to develop people. I want to be viewed as a leader that helps people grow. And then when they get their evaluation, the critique is like, you're not this leader. <laughs> you don't give feedback. You never give feedback. You don't spy me at all. Anything. Then I have, now I have the creative tension. So they face the reality, right? Yeah. So from this point on, we started with the capacities. And then now to be the kind of leader you want to be, what kind of capacities do you need to be? I need to empower people. I need to know how to give feedback. I need to understand their behavior profiles. 
And then what the structure do is we have a corporate simulation to have the leader in the course have to leave and to test all the capacities and all the tools we give them. And doing that, he goes, he has the behaviors and we give them feedback. We have four coaches in the structure, one coach to each eight to 10 participants. And your coach will know everything about you, your behavior profile, your 260, how you do, and he will follow you during the course to tell you, oh, you just did it. The same thing that's written in your 360, you're having this behavior right now. Can you see it? Because you, you told me you are not like this. I can see that people are seeing this. And then what you do is we teach a capacity, we give them the tool, test the behavior, reflect about it, feedback, and then we come back to the beginning. And we also talk about mental models because to use all of the tools and concepts we teach, the mental model is the most important thing. If you don't have a mental model that helps you, for example, if you think, if I tell people what I really think about them, they will not like me. You're never going to give feedback because you will be always afraid. So we try to help people to reframe and change their mental models so that they can use the tools and that they can change. And that goes the structure from until the end. And what happens in the leaders that are there, they say, I know who I am. I know who I want to be. I know my strengths. I know my weaknesses. And I have a long way to become the leader that I want to be. So what happens is, of course, you don't leave the leader of the future, a five-day immersion different, but you live there knowing exactly what you have to do to become this person and to become this leader. That's why it's so transformative. It's like uh, listening to you, I was thinking that the core element of the program that you start with is knowing yourself. You start with this. You can't lead other people if you don't really know yourself, right? This is the first thing a leader needs to do. And the scary thing is people don't know themselves at all. It is scary on the one hand. On the other hand, when we discover ourselves, it's scary as well. As you know, you were talking about feedback. People were receiving feedback telling themselves, I'm not like this. This is not me. And the notion of feedback is very important, right? Everything turns around it in the program. Exactly. And the big difference for the program is because it's an open program, people that you never met before they are going to give you feedback and we force them during the course. Like now you have to give feedback now. And then what happens is people receive feedback that they never received before in their lives. And we have directors and CEOs, people that if they ask in their company, everybody will say, oh, you're great. You're a great boss. You oh, I love you. You're perfect. <laughs> and they go to the little future, they say, oh, you're just too aggressive. You're not treating people with respect. I don't like you. And then it's really life changer because they get this feedback. So during the course, it's a lot of emotions going on because people don't know themselves and don't know the impact they have on others. And when they see that, it's impossible to forget. Even if they say, I, I don't want, I don't, I don't agree. But the next time they have the same behavior, they think, uh, I, I know what they're thinking. Yeah, you're talking about the, um, you know, strong emotions that those kinds of exercises can provoke. That's why I imagine it's very important to have coaches 
coaches, you know, accompanying people. The coaches make sure people are seeing what they see and also to keep them calm and say, it's a process. You're not going to change tomorrow. And there's a long way. Everybody has weaknesses and strengths. But if you don't know, you'll never change. And what's scary is everybody knows what you're trying to hide. Usually you are the only person that don't know. Everybody knows and they talk about you when you're not there, but they don't tell you because you're going to be, get angry. They don't want to, to lose you as a friend or as a person. They don't want to offend you. And then you don't know. And that changes. And that's the, the magic of the digital future. That magic and the other magic is because of the corporate simulation, you have people focusing on the course like they never focused on anything else before. That's really different from all the other courses I've taken around the world because people leave their sales side, they leave their families. We have families complaining, calling us, oh, my husband, he just, he didn't call me for two days. Where is he? What are you doing? Because when they started the simulation, they said, I want to be the best leader, and I also want to win the trophy. Ah, because there is a competition element in the program, right? Exactly. And the comp what the competition makes, the, the only goal of the competition is to have their attention 100% focused. Because this is the biggest challenge of training, any training. How do you get the participant to focus there and not in the 100,000 different messages that come from different origins, from cell phones, from notebooks, from social network and everything. How can they focus? And the leader of the future, they really get focused. And they forget their first life and they leave their kind of a second life. So people after the course, do they understand uh, why five days? Because you were saying that many people in the beginning were saying it's too long, my people don't have time, we don't have time. So at the end of the course, do they say the same? They say or, this. They, they say or this. They understand why. It no, is? they they really say it, five days was important. Some of them say, why not seven days? Oh, okay. Why not ten <laughs> days? I need more because usually many of the the participants they go there because their companies tell them to do, and they go there in the first day they're already ah oh, here here I am another course hugging trees. Oh, it's terrible. I've just enjoyed the hotel. <laughs> well, at least something, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they, what they say is, I really need to develop myself. Now I know how, but I need more time. So do you have a little bit of future number two? How do you do it? And usually many of them go to the coaching process. And then now I have coaching clients that really, really different from the coaching clients that just go to the coaching completely different. It's a new process. That is the magic. And they really understand. That's why we have a challenge to sell the leader of the future with five days. And it's easy to get an idea. And many people gave us the idea, why not doing three days, two days, or two days, then one month later, other two days, and then one month later. And it doesn't work. It, it, it doesn't have the same power of transformation. So three, three days, it's much easier to sell, but it doesn't change the people. And that's why many competitors tried. They go to the leader of the future to know the course, maybe to copy it and to do the same because they, they know that right now we have 25 groups 
only for the executive, leader of the future, and plus fundamental, we have more than 50 open groups in a year. One week, it's a lot. And, they know, and we have wait lines to do it. They said, we are going to do it. And they go and say, ah, I will just change a little bit, take this part, this part, and it's three days. It's, it's, it's great. And they try. It's not the same. Yeah, because you can't separate uh, this work on yourself in three days. You know, you can give the tools in three days maybe, but you can't start this transformation. And what, the, what happens is that's difficult because the participants go and they say, no, it has to be five days. And they go back to their company, they say, it has to be five days. But the people who didn't go there yet, they say, no, it's too much. Wow, it's so fantastic. So inspiring, Arthur. Thanks so much for sharing this. I want to ask you one more question. When you created Leader of the Future, there were certain trends at the time. Now everything is changing so fast. There are so many changes, economical changes, political, et cetera, et cetera. Technology, you know, changes so much. Everything is going very, very fast. Uh, from your point of view, what are the trends now that will shape the future of leadership? Well, I think the biggest trend, the most important one, is not about agile or exponential. It's about mental health and how to take care of people. This is the biggest trend because all the world, people live two years stuck in their houses with health problems for their families or themselves, afraid. So we have many people that are not well right now. And the leader right now, is it has to change completely because before the pandemic, you say, oh, it's crisis leadership. The leader now has to be assertive, objective, and aggressive. And now it's a completely different. So th this is the biggest strength, aside from distance le leader leading, like uh, hybrid leadership or anywhere, leadership offices and everything. Many trends, but I think mental health, it's going to be the, the one for a few years. Oh, yeah. And what about other challenges that leaders right now and in the future might face? The hybrid work it's, is a big, big challenge right now because the other thing that companies and leaders are learning, it's that culture is important to achieve results. If we went like five years before now and you talk about culture with CEOs, they said, huh, culture, no. We have a strategy, we have planning, we're going to do it. And that's it. Now they understand that culture is fundamental. But at the same time, how can I build a culture if people are not in the office five days a week? This is the most question that I, I've been asked all weeks. How can we do it? How to really build a good culture, not toxic culture, with people at their homes? I think this is the big challenge. Yeah, and well, your program is called The Leader of the Future. If you could draw, can you draw me a portrait of this perfect leader, not only of the future, but of, of the now as well? I would do better than, than drawing the portrait. Um, I'll tell you a story about what it means to be the leader of the future. It's a leader that we both know. Just before the pandemic, I sold Crescimenton to the Sagos Group. And then pandemic started. What happens? Crescimentum was 100% face-to-face presential training and coaching and everything. So Sagos Group just bought a company that now 
worth zero. We don't have clients. We don't have products. We have nothing. And I was thinking, wow, you can imagine the people who bought it, right? <laughs> they must be thinking we did the worst deal ever. And I was just waiting for Benoit's call. He was the CEO at the time. And well, he's going to tell me to fire people, to close the office, to do anything, to at least to get a, a bit of the money back. And then Benoit sent me a message. He wanted to call me to talk. And he asked, how are you? Are you doing fine? Your help? I said, yes, but what do you want to talk about? And yes, but what about your family? Is your family fine? Yes, it, yes, they're fine. But what's the subject? Okay. He said, the employees of Crescimento, are they healthy? Their families, are you taking care of this? And I said, yes, but what do you want to talk about it? And he said, I just did. That's what <laughs> we so don't expect it sometimes, right? <laughs> he said, I just did. And yeah. he said, right now, what I want you to do is taking care of the people. Make them healthy, make them safe, and then you'll never run out of cash. And he wrote this message to me. Don't worry. You can imagine the company just, just lot of, lost a lot of money and mind this. And he said, you're not running out of cash. Just take care of people. This is the literal future, in my opinion. And I said, I have to make something to get this done and to give the money back. I, I work for him. Whatever he needs, I will do it. And that's a leader. Yeah, because he showed that he cared about your, well, your people and the, your company. Everyone is thought, oh, the leader has to have this competence, this knowledge, and this. I don't think that. I think not right now, the, the leader of the future is human being. And if he takes care of people, people will make the results happen. Yeah, because they will feel seen and taken seriously, taken care of. And this is a great motivation for many people, right? But if you talk about skills, well, this is one of the most important. I do agree with you. It's absolutely important to take care of the people you lead. Otherwise, you know, it will simply not work. But if you go a bit deeper uh, about the skills that a leader needs to survive as well, because you did survive, it was very difficult, but you transformed your business model, you transformed your product as well. You know, it was face-to-face, -face, as you were saying, then you had the digital one. So it's important to, for a leader to have these skills to survive. What are other skills that are important from your point of view? Self-knowledge is still very, very important because I don't think there is a, a leader like you have to do this or do this or do that. To be a great leader, what you need to do is know yourself, know your strengths, know your weaknesses, because you are going to build the kind of leader you are based on your strengths. If it's being loving, great. If it's being objective, great. If it, it doesn't matter what it is. Different skills can build different leaders, but your leadership brands, the way you lead, it's going to be based on your strengths. And you have to know also your weakness because you have to know what is hiding your strengths. What is it that you're doing that's really not good? And all your strengths you have, you're going to lose because you are not paying attention to this so that you can minimize this. So that would be the first one. Then to know how to give feedback would be a second skill. 
to understand how and when. And you also have to understand the neuroscience behind people's behavior because understanding neuroscience, you are going to know how people can receive feedback and how you can give feedback and when, how. So you have lots of details on how to give feedback to people. It's important to know them. And to know this, you have to understand the neuroscience behind it, the fear and what part of the brain is you have like lightning when you're scared and what happens in this situation and how to deal with it. You also need to know coaching to understand how to make questions and have people doing things instead of just teaching them. And the main goal to empower people more than ever, because before the pandemic, you had the people all around you in the office. It was easy to tell people what to do. Do this, do this. I'm, I can see that you're not doing this the way you should be. Right now, you have to empower people because they are the homes. And I don't think they'll never be back 100% face to face in the way we are. So the leader has to learn, how can I empower my people? How can I do this? And understanding, we, we have a model with five steps to empowering people what you do first, and based on the competence of your direct report and also the risk of the situation for the company. And what do you do to start from showing the people or the person how to do it, and in the end, just let them do it. I'm not necessary at all. So the mindset of the leader of future is, I need to be not necessary at all so that I can do nothing. You know, um... On the first episode of this podcast, I talked to our dear colleague, Jonathan Mohadeb, and we discussed how to become a leader. And Jonathan was saying that anyone can be a leader. What do you think? What are your thoughts on this? I agree 100%. <laughs> anyone can be a leader. It's just a question of how much do you want? Because for some people, it's going to be easier. They already have some skills. They know how to treat people. They understand. It comes naturally. For other people, it's going to be harder. But anyone, in the long run, they're willing to do it and discipline will make the difference. And then anyone can be a great leader. Perfect. Thanks for this inspiration. Um, and to finish, well, the final question. So you say anyone can be a leader. Jonathan says the same. So from your point of view, or rather, give me a kind of a piece of advice for people who want to become a leader? Where do they start? Like the first steps we can make right here, right now. First step, if you don't have a purpose, find your purpose. This is the most important step. And, oh, it's very hard to find a purpose, so I can give you one. Your purpose is to find your purpose. So until you find it, this is gonna be your only purpose. After finding the purpose, think about your mental models. What is keeping you from being the person and the leader that you know you can be? And then know yourself. Ask people around. Because one thing is what I think of myself, my strength and my weakness. The other thing is what I'm not seeing. So you have to ask around. What should I do to become a better leader? And knowing how to ask for feedback is as much important as knowing how to give feedback. And if you want to grow, asking for feedback is going to be the most important thing. And the question is always, how can I be a better leader? It's not, am I being a good leader for you, Olga? Am I being a bad leader? No. 
It's not about being good or bad. It's not about ego. It's about what should I do different next time to do a better job? And if you ask this question, you break all the barriers to people giving you feedback and you are going to grow, grow and grow. I think this would be my bigger advice. Ask people how you can become a, a better leader. Thank you so much, Arthur. You know, you should tell me next time you are in Paris because I have so many more questions and there are so many topics we could unpack on other episodes like feedback and mental models, you know, knowing yourself. Thanks a lot for this very interesting and deep conversation. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. I love to talk about it. I would keep going for hours if you Nice to know. I will, yeah, I will invite you next time. We will discuss more topics. Thanks so much. That's it for this episode. Join us next time for more inspiring stories and tips on how to win at being a leader. Until then, goodbye.